Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I am Vineet Nair with my co-host Aditya Kashyap. This is a quizzing trivia podcast show. Join us as we dive deep into history, science, pop culture, and so much more. Let's get quizzing. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, for episode number fifty-three of your favorite quizzing trivia podcast show. Are you quizzing me? As you may have noticed, our opening music is back. As per the wishes of everyone who voted, thank you for uh, voting and letting us know that we should be keeping this music rather than ditching it. So let's move on to today's uh, regularly scheduled programming. I'll start off with the audience question for uh, this week. I will answer this question at the end of today's episode. So the question is this: X got its name from overlooking something that regulated the flow of water from the Potomac River into the tidal basin at flood tide. What is X? I will repeat the question. X got its name from overlooking something that regulated the flow of water from the Potomac River into the tidal basin at flood tide. What is X? I will reveal the answer to this question at the end of today's episode. Now let's go back to Aditya, who will edify us with his weird measuring system. What was the question last week, Aditya? You were weighing uh, Hollywood stars. Remember, you asking something about that? I was attaching weight to the celebrity status oh, for Hollywood okay. star. So it's a very uh, convoluted and specific measurement. And uh, of course, in reference to another unit that you mentioned last week, which was the unit of stone, an imperial unit used. to measure mass when you want to measure the celebrity status and the weight that the celebrity carries you measure it in the rock i'm guessing this is one of those units where the value never goes more than 1 but the highest possible value is 1 because you can never be greater than the rock obviously so you have a dwayne johnson which is who is at one rock and then everybody else is valued at a fraction of a rock in their celebrity status potentially tom hanks could equal one rock or might surpass it but most of the celebrities would have to settle for a fraction of it so what would john cena rank on this oh you don't see him on the list <laughs> very nice very nice so with that uh, a quite trivial start to today's episode let's move on to some serious quizzing Aditya, shall I start off procedures for today? Take it away. So, in December 2021, a German chemical and agricultural company launched a particular product X in Italy. It was the result of more than 30 years of work, and it was called a game changer and a breakthrough innovation. The main feature of this product was that it helped with a process that was. something of a nightmare for many people and people used to go to great lengths to make sure that they didn't go through this experience which included soaking in water freezing chewing gum etc so my question to you to uh, to you aditya today is what product am i talking about could you repeat the time period again so this is in 2021 i'll go through the salient features of the question again in december 2021 a german chemical and agricultural company Introduced a product in the Italian market. 
It was the result of three decades, more than 30 years of work. And it was a, called a game changer and a breakthrough innovation. The main USP of this particular product is that it did not have or it prevented a particular thing that was a nightmare for a lot of people. And people used to go to great lengths to not have that particular nightmare experience, which included soaking in water, freezing, chewing gum, and many other shortcuts and remedies and tips that they used to do. So my question to you is, what is this particular product that uh, a lot of people, even in India, would, I think, welcome with open arms? It is a little vague, but then I've been told that you've been cracking my questions too fast. So I have decided to raise the notch a little bit, you know. I don't know who is telling you all these lies. <laughs> I am equally stumped every single time. But okay, let's try this. Going through multiple... Jumping through multiple hoops to try to solve something. I don't know why it makes me go towards hiccups. But why would hiccups be exclusively Italian? I don't know. So No, I mean, like they launched it in Italy. It's quite possible it may be coming to India as well. But it's not hiccups. I'll, I'll tell you that it's not hiccups. Like if you go online, there are a lot of things that people say prevent this particular nightmarish experience, which includes soaking in water, freezing... And interestingly enough, chewing gum, which, to be honest, I myself have uh, tried, doesn't work. Oh, I know what this is. This is uh, the ability to cut onions without tearing up. Yeah, so what's the product? Do you have any idea what the product was? Is it some kind of goggles that you wear? No. Interesting. An onion slicer? I don't know how you would be innovating on something as simple as an onion slicer. No, it's not an onion slicer. Like, you have the concept, right? Yes, the problem that they solved is the fact that people tear up when they cut onions. Okay, but I don't know what the product is. Hmm. It took them 30 years to work it out. And I'm guessing even if it came to India, it would be ridiculously expensive that people probably wouldn't want to go through, wouldn't want to buy it because of the price, considering that this is a, something that had a lot of research behind it. It will be probably really expensive. Some sort of a knife that uh, instantly absorbs the fumes no. that are released? No, no. Let's go say that they went to the root of the problem. The root of the problem. <laughs> uh, did they just come up with a new uh, seed? Uh, an, a new type of variation to the onion genome which would uh, result in that particular chemical not being part of the... Yes, vegetable. you're right. They came up with tearless onions. Tearless onions, okay. <laughs> Tearless onions. Now, I'm very interested yes. to see how that would affect the flavor of the onion. This is something I'm, I, I keep wondering. Why, why wasn't this the first thing that people did when they started gene editing? Yes, because that's the most important thing to solve. <laughs> exactly. Like, I cook more than the average person. And even today, I have problems with onions. Never shy away from a good cry. I use that as an excuse to just work through my issues a couple of times a week. Just cut some onions and let the tears flow. Always a healthy okay. release. <laughs> I'll take okay. that advice into consideration. Awesome. So, I'm passing the baton to you. What's your next question? Alright, so my question is in a way a spiritual successor to a question I asked in one of the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. In a recent episode, I asked you about the Japanese practice of folding 
a thousand origami cranes. Yes. So today I'm going to ask you about Japanese characters and tell me how do we know them popularly today as okay. The character names are Mizaru, Kikazaru, and Iwazaru. Powerpuff Girls. No, these are not the Powerpuff Girls. That's a really fun guess, but no. Yeah, because you said three. You know, the moment I heard three, Miyazaru, Kikazaru, and Iwazaru. Please don't tell me this is something about the Pokemon universe. You're, you're, is this a spiritual success to your Pokemon question as well? <laughs> no, not in this case. So it, it is pr- very vague at this point. And if you knew the answer just by the names, you would have gotten it already. So let, let me give you some clues to help you along. These three are a Japanese pictorial maxim. Oh, and okay. This, this is... I'm guessing these are the three monkeys. Uh, see no evil, hear no evil, and uh, speak no evil. Oh boy, that was too quick. That was way too quick. I was hoping to <laughs> spend a little bit more time on this. <laughs> but you got that uh, very well, yes. It is, uh, Mizaru is uh, sees no evil, Kikazaru is hears no evil, and Iwazaru is speaks no evil. Mm-hmm. And the origin of the three wise monkeys is from a 17th century carving over a door in a shrine in Nikko in Japan. A Shinto shrine? Toshoku shrine is actually the name of the shrine, if I'm not wrong. And it is a regular Shinto shrine. It's a type of a Shinto shrine, I, I guess. Okay. They were carved by somebody called Hidari Jingoro and uh, believed to have incorporated Confucius's code of conduct using the monkey as a way to depict man's life cycle. Mm. So that's where it originated from. I don't know if most of us who uh, are aware of the Three Wise Monkeys only as something that Mahatma Gandhi had popularized uh, would know that the origin is actually Japanese. Yeah, I was very surprised to find out. I was aware that it was it predated uh, Mahatma Gandhi's uh, usage uh, of these of mm-hmm. this particular symbol, but I I, am, I was aware that it was by Eastern, but the names I was not aware of, but. No, that's a great crack. And also, interestingly enough, the statues of those three monkeys were gifted to him by a gentleman by the name of Nichidatsu Fuji, who was a Japanese mm-hmm. Buddhist monk. And when he okay. visited India, he gifted it to Gandhi. And that's how Gandhi got the three monkeys, whose names I believe he gave were Bapu, Ketan and Bandar. So these are the three names. Uh, today, a larger representation of the three monkeys, the statue that he was gifted, is displayed at the Sabarmati Ashram in Ahmedabad. So, yeah, nice. we might have uh, heard of it in Gandhi's context, but Japanese origin. Mizaru, Kikazaru, Iwazaru. Well cracked. Very it? nice. Very nice. Very nice. Great question, by the way. I'm going to move back a couple of years. So, in a uh, friendly soccer or, let's be honest, football match, between England and Switzerland in March of 2022, the players' shirts were seen to have no names on them. Only the number. Okay, this is contrary to the norm where the players have their names as well as the number written on the back of the shirt. Can you tell me why this was? Why did they do this? Once again, what is the date? It was March of 2022. It was a friendly soccer match for a football match between England and Switzerland. And the players' shirts did not have a name on the back. It only had the number. Can you tell me why they did this? 
March of 2022. I don't think you should focus much yeah. on the date. It won't give you oh, much. Okay. I was trying to wonder if there's any COVID connection, but all right. I would imagine a lot of these things are done to pay tribute. Was this paying tribute to somebody who had passed away or something? It wasn't a uh, an act of tribute. My first clue to you would be it was an act of support. Support. Again, are we talking about somebody specific? Are we some not specific? specific. Not, not a specific person, but rather a group of uh, or a pop, small population of people. Okay, so I am inclined to think refugees maybe because so many of them lose... But it's a fast stretch. I was thinking so many of them lose their important documents and hence their identification. You wouldn't so be wrong the that no names, way. But... Uh, your thought is in the right process, but you're off base with refugees. We are talking about... No, uh, no. It's like a representation of how a certain group of the population live. Oh, group of population... A group of people who live nameless. Or it's representative of that. It's not like they... They are nameless. Okay, so on a football field, right? If you have mm-hmm. uh, people running around and you don't know which number is which person, you would obviously then depend on the name, correct? Right. To know who exactly it is. Because if they're running full tilt and the only thing you can see is them from the back, you are dependent on that name to a certain extent. Unless you're a right. commentator who knows all the players by heart. Or if that person has a very memorable number. You would require the name. So by erasing that name, what does that show? Regarding them, regarding people seeing them. I'm maybe explaining this clue a little weirdly. I'll give you a more easy clue. Think medical condition. (laughs) Um, Well, that's great you said that because I was uh, inclined to think something along the lines of mental health. Uh, Though the verbal gymnastics you've done to try to not make the answer too easy. (laughs) (laughs) I commend that. Okay. So mental health, no name. Oh, okay. Is it dementia? Is it Alzheimer's? It It is dementia. It is dementia. Okay. So this was done as part of an act of support to the people suffering from dementia. Uh, All right. The act of not having their names printed was in a way representing how people suffering with dementia live. Like they sometimes forget who they are. They sometimes for, they forget who other people are. They are not able to recognize them. They forget things, right? So this was a way mm. to show them. And this was not the first time. This has been done multiple times. Um, I think the English football, women's football team also once had a match where uh, 30% of the players did not have the name on their uh, jerseys. That was to kind of represent the proportion of the population, UK population, which suffers from or was at risk of dementia. Wow, that's a significant population. I'm talking about, I think, so 30% of the elderly, oh, not okay. of the whole All population. Right. All right. But All right. yeah, great crack, man. Great crack. Fun question. And a lovely worthwhile cause. Yeah. Moving from something very important to something absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> My next question is about a world championship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this has been a world championship which has been active for the last few years. The most recent winner, Andrew Nagai, fended off competitors from across the globe to reclaim the event and it was televised live on ESPN. 
and I'm talking December 2023, so very recently. Okay. Andrew Nagai also goes by the moniker the Annihilator. Okay. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a lowdown as to what is happening on the eventful championship night. Nagai decided it it wasn't his night because Michael Jarman from the UK or mm-hmm. Peter Schall from the US looked set to win. Mm-hmm. But Nagai didn't have to worry, obviously. He eventually did win. For some unknown reason, there was a mismatch between the score sheet and the live stream. So, while he was worried that uh, whatever was being shown wasn't showing him that he's going to win, because when the mismatch was corrected, he realized he's going to win. So, just a little bit of a tidbit as to what was happening on the evening. I'm not sure that will lead you to the answer, but I just wanted to tell you, yeah. He was eventually congratulated on Twitter by a brand. And uh, the tweet on X or Twitter was, you didn't just succeed, you excelled. Weird thought. What is Knowing you, I'm guessing this is not a mainstream sport. For some reason, my mind has gone to competitive eating. <laughs> That's such a fun guess. But no, it's not competitive eating. Okay. Because I, I thought this was maybe like a hot dog eating contest or something like that. Okay. So no. Names don't seem familiar, but then I don't follow sports. And you said it was broadcast live on ESPN. Yeah. Hmm. Obviously, it's a solo sport, not a team sport, right? Because you've mentioned yes. single names rather than teams. So it's a solo sport. And Nikkei is Japanese, you said? Nikkei? Yes. So he's Japanese. Is this sumo wrestling? No. Okay, not sumo wrestling. And the tweet you said was, he did not just win, he excelled. Yeah. Is this uh, esports? Um, some kind of video game match matchup? You are getting warmer, but not the answer so far. You know, I am kind of uh, going in another direction now. Again, um, I'm not playing. I'm not trying to answer the question. I'm going to try to answer Aditya's personality here, uh, because you particularly picked out that tweet, which said that you he did not just win; he excelled. Is was this a, like a tweeting competition or something? Were they uh, putting up tweets on X, the platform, and therefore he excelled? You are getting very close. You're very very close. It is, I guess, a pun. Yeah. In the tweet itself. Okay. Okay. That's the limit of what I could think of for that particular one. He excelled. Excel. Okay. Was this an is there a worldwide Excel competition? Microsoft Excel competition. There is a financial modeling world cup. Wow. That hosts Microsoft Excel based competition. And the Microsoft Excel World Championship happened in December 2023, which was won by this particular person. The first competition started in September 2020. So it's not that long ago. Uh, This is the kind of thing I can get on board with. Like Excel, (laughs) PowerPoint, I have a weakness for Excel especially. I'd literally be glued on the screen. They showed it live. Nice. It is is... exactly what you would imagine. This is happening live. People go view it uh, as well. It's a competitive sport and they're given tasks that they're supposed to solve. And of course, it's a time-based thing. So it's I really have to hardcore. dig up on YouTube 
have to dig this up on YouTube. <laughs> I really have to watch this. I am not even kidding here. I am literally excited for this. <laughs> you should check it out. By the way, Andrew Nagai, I think I misspoke earlier. He's from Sydney, Australia. 36-year-old. Okay. Sydney, Australia. From Australia. He is actually an actuary. Hmm. Makes so, sense. That makes sense. Yeah. They deal with a lot of <laughs> actuarial tables and computations. So it does make sense that an actuary would be the one to win this. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> sure. So you didn't just succeed. You excelled was how Microsoft congratulated the guy. Uh, nice. And one fan said that the victory on Twitter, there was a tweet apparently that this victory will go down as a historical American sports moment on par with Babe Ruth calling his home run shot in the 1932 World Series. Now, <laughs> I have not watched enough baseball, but I do know the name Babe Ruth. So yeah. if uh, this particular guy is being compared to Babe Ruth, it must be a big deal, even if it was just a random fan. <laughs> it seems wow. to be quite the big deal. Thank you, by the way, for uh, letting me know. This was a massive TIL. Uh, I did not know that there was an Excel World Championship. And I am not even kidding. I am legit excited to see how that's going to look like. Yeah, please do. Please do. An unofficial recommendation for our listeners to go check something out later. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. So my question to you is regarding a town. I need you to identify the town. I'll give you details about the town. This town was founded by Sir Frederick Lawley a British officer in the 19th century, by combining and developing a few villages together. It is located on the banks of the river Sarayu, near the Mempi forest. Graham Greene, one of the greatest novelists of the 20th century, once said about the town that one could go into these loved and shabby streets and see with excitement and a certainty of pleasure a stranger approaching past the bank, the cinema, the hair-cutting salon, a stranger who will greet us, we know with some unexpected and revealing phrase that will open the door to yet another human existence. Which town am I talking about? So you haven't mentioned which part of India this river No, is I have not mentioned which part of India. Okay, because I'm completely stumped right now. I don't even know much about the river Sarayu. So could you give me maybe part of India? I'll give you a clue. So the name of this town is actually a portmanteau of... Two other places. That doesn't make this any easier because I am of two other places. So of two other towns, is it? Yeah. Localities, maybe you could say. So the name of this particular town is a portmanteau of two major other localities. No idea. No. This town was brought to prominence to the public at large. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm talking about the public at large. Like we're talking mass level. It was brought into people's homes and people saw this town for the first time due to the efforts of one Mr. Shankar Nag. Shankar Nag sounds very familiar. Is he a journalist or writer or something? Why does he sound so familiar? He is uh, from the same neck of the woods as you are currently, profession-wise. Okay. <laughs> not Varsova. <laughs> no, definitely okay. not. Sounds very familiar, but boy, I have no clue right now. You still haven't told me which part of India it is in. So maybe that could be one last clue. If I don't get it, then you can. Okay. So South India. South India. Ooh. 
Okay, I'll give you an additional clue. The name of this particular town was made out of a portmanteau of two Bangalore localities. Okay, so this is in Karnataka? You could say so. Oh, okay, that's interesting. You could say so. <laughs> oh, well, actually, a question I should have asked maybe, and if I still can't crack it, then you can give me the answer. Is this town still existing? Technically, yes. <laughs> Technically, yes. Oh, oh, Vineet. Uh, I can't <laughs> believe I waited so long to ask you this question. Is it a fictional town? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a fictional town. I should just start every question with that. <laughs> is this person, town, entity, event, country you've been talking about fictional or real? Okay. Uh, fictional town. Famous fictional town in... Oh, is it uh, Swami and his friends? Is it... Malgudi? Yes, it is Malgudi. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Wow. That took quite that took me quite a while, but interesting. Wait, yeah, explain the history, please. Malgudi was created, as mentioned in the Malgudi Days anthology, by Sir Frederick Lawley, a fictional British officer in the 19th century, by combining and developing a few villages. The character of Sir Frederick Lawley may have been based on the real... Arthur Lolly, who was the governor of Madras in 1905. Uh, Malgudi is located in its fictional universe on the banks of the fictional river Sarayu, not to be confused with the dried up river Sarayu from North India, and near also the uh, near the also fictional Mempi forest on the border of the states of Mysore and Madras, and a few hours away from Madras. We are obviously talking about pre-independence India. Now, the fact is Narayan, R.K. Narayan, who created uh, Malgudi, has asserted multiple times that Malgudi is a work of fiction. But this has not stopped a lot of diehard fans from speculating about its actual location. So, they suspected it could be Mysore. Uh, other possible locations include Lalgudi, uh, Yadavgiri, near the erstwhile states of Mysore. And uh, Malgudi was a portmanteau of two Bangalore localities. Malleshwaram and Basavanagudi. So, Malleshwaram, okay. Basavanagudi, Malgudi. Graham Greene was obviously talking about this town through his view after reading Malgudi Days and Swami and Friends and all the other novels and short stories. So, the town that I was talking about is indeed the fictional town of Malgudi. And uh, Mr. Shankar Nag was, was the Kannada writer, director and playwright who was responsible for bringing Malgudi days to Doordarshan in the mid-80s and thereby bringing it to the homes and hearts and minds of Indians everywhere. Very cool. I specifically love that it is a portmanteau of the Bangalorean localities, the ones you mentioned, the whatever it was, the one starting with them, Mal, Malleshwaram. Malleshwaram, Malleshwaram and uh, Basavanagudi. Malleshwaram and Basavanagudi. Yeah, uh, it's so interesting that it's a portmanteau on these two localities where I always assumed that Malgudi had something to do with Malgadi, like a train <laughs> which carries goods. It's 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 very it's a very North Indian uh, <laughs> thing to think that something so essentially South Indian must have been derived from a North Indian Hindi term. <laughs> Uh, absolutely, yeah, because I know for a fact that uh, this was supposed to be a town set in South India, but for some reason I assumed that uh, 
the hindi word malgadi would be <laughs> relevant here which is quite stupid in retrospect yeah there we go some uh, north indian privilege right here <laughs> interestingly you know, even the when you say malgadi uh, to our non hindi speaking listeners he's talking about a goods train a train or a cargo train right interestingly enough uh, in his uh, interviews in rk narayan's interviews with his biographers he actually said that in his mind when he was making this place up in his mind he first imagined a railway station and then after that the name malgudi came to him interesting and what is also more interesting is that the mp the the lok sabha mp for shimoga also now known as shivamoga uh, has requested the indian railways to rename arasalu railway station which is a small railway station on the shimoga talaguppa railway line to malgudi railway station they've been asking to rename it to malgudi so that there can actually oh, be a okay. real malgudi railway station which is also because uh, the tv show the doordarshan tv show was st- st- shot extensively around agumbe uh, which is a very okay. which is also known as the cherapunji of the south it's a beautiful location if you've not been it's not that far from udupi uh, you can drive it's a fantastic location i have been there it's a fantastic location so a lot of it was shot there Whoa. so i just love the entire thing you know malgudi the tv series the books there's a kind of purity and innocence in those books that just you don't find in literature anymore yeah i imagine uh, it i can't recall for my life right now if it does have that if it feels dated now with uh, seeing it from today's lens maybe it has some archaic ideas of society and uh, whatever it was back then however i compare it to something like the william series by richmond crompton uh, something mm-hmm. i grew up reading a lot as a kid and uh, of course it views things like gender roles and and uh, racial stereotypes from a very uh, early 20th century victorian lens it is it is by any uh, <laughs> measurement it is kind of problematic today but it still is a lovely book to read and it uh, holds a definitely a special place for me i i loved reading it growing up so and malgudi days and swami and his friends was in the same vicinity it has always been so such a special read yeah i know there are certain books and things that when we read from childhood it, they hold a special place in my, in our hearts and i i always feel that maybe we shouldn't be revisiting those mm. because i made the mistake of revisiting uh, some of enid blyton's work uh much later right. on in life right not it was uncomfortable to read to say the least <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough so i basically now stopped reading any old books that i still hold in you know with which i see through the rose tinted lenses of nostalgia <laughs> yeah delulu is the only solulu always <laughs> that's me embracing the gen z yeah okay okay your question so i'm going to talk about a film now and since mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, entertainment and how it affects real life and he and he was inspired by a railway station to come up with the name malgudi and now they're trying to name a railway station after that so mm-hmm. somehow seems connected in a way to my question because i'm talking about a 1999 american biographical drama film this is directed okay. by joe johnston It stars Jake Elenhall, Chris Cooper, Chris Owen, Laura Dern, and uh, it was very well received when it came out. It is based on a book 
1998 memoir now this book the title of this book couldn't be used as is for the movie's name because universal studios marketing people who got involved in the marketing for this film they said that the title needed to change because according to their research women over 30 would never see a movie titled x x being the name of the book so x was changed to something eventually and this is how it ties back to your uh, malgudi question eventually the book was re-released under the name of the movie this time because they wanted to capitalize on the interest in the film and how much of a buzz it was generating so the book was called x initially a movie by the name of y was released which was an anagram of x and the book x was re-released under the title y because they wanted to capitalize on all the buzz being created so without giving any of the titles yet can you tell me what this movie was okay massive flex coming up warning to everybody uh, i am going to be insufferable for the next 2 uh, minutes i am also <laughs> going to add an added dimension to your question by saying that universal's research may have been wrong because the original title was was used as the title of a a web series in india in the past 2 years which was extremely successful especially among women because of the charisma of the lead actors so this is my flex for you the movie starring jake ilan hall was october sky which was the anagram for the book rocket boys wow i i that was going to be my clue you just literally not only answered my question you also gave yourself the clue and <laughs> Flexed so hard with it. I love it though. That was phenomenal. That was such a good crack. I genuinely thought I would have to give you October Sky and would ask you then to figure out what it is an anagram of. And I thought even then it would be a tough question. But yeah, damn it, I forget sometimes that I'm up against Vinith. No, 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 no. Okay, genius Nair. <laughs> you will not believe this. This is like the Bader-Meinhof effect. Like when you uh, hear about something and then you keep hearing about it again and again until it seems more common and more prevalent than it actually is. Right. There was this uh, video that popped up, like a short reel, uh, about you know these kind of motivational things that people put up to make uh, to get views, right? So don't ignore the lonely guy sitting in the cafeteria. He may be the one. So there's a scene in the movie where Jake Gyllenhaal's, who's very young, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, gets up and sits near the quote unquote nerd boy and asks him, "Can you would can you tell me any everything you know about rockets?" So I have not seen October mm-hmm. Sky. I saw this reel, and I I went through the comment section obviously, and somebody said that this is the movie called October Sky. Movie was completely unfamiliar, but because it was Jake Gyllenhaal, I just googled it, and on Wikipedia this was written like it was from a book called uh, Rocket Boys, but uh, Universal said that uh, their polling showed that women wouldn't watch it, so they changed it into an anagram of this. and you will not believe this i actually have this very question lined up for today's quiz <laughs> you know i was wondering how far along would we have to go for that to happen where i have to use a backup question because <laughs> vinith asks the question that i have planned on the very same day i love that this has happened finally not bad not bad 53 i literally in. have that here it's there in my list for today i always have a couple of extra questions in case because i sometimes i decide on the spot ki i'm not going to ask this question but i literally have the question here rocket boys october sky <laughs> oh man oh that is uh, well a phenomenal coincidence and i guess 
a well-deserved uh, quick crack on Vineet's part. But I should, for the benefit of our listeners, just uh, go a little bit more into detail. October Sky is a 1999 American biographical drama film. It's based on a memoir about the true story of Homer H. Hickam Jr., who was a coal miner's son, who was inspired by the launch of Sputnik 1 to take up rocketry and he eventually became a NASA engineer. So it's an inspiring story. It's a real-life story. And Rocket Boys was the name of the memoir, which was released in 1998. October Sky was the name of the film that was inspired by the memoir. And they did an anagram on the name Rocket Boys, which became October Sky. Eventually, Rocket Boys was re-released under the name October Sky to capitalize on all the buzz around the well-received film. And yes, Vineet is right. Rocket Boys is also a TV show that came out in the recent past in India. And it had to do with India's own uh, space program. And uh, clearly, Universal Pictures did not know what they were talking about. It has been a popular show. Yes, it has. Now, though, in retrospect, I maybe should not have elaborated on how I knew this, just to make myself uh, appear more uh, all-knowing. But uh, yeah, this was a, a strange coincidence. We need it humanizes you, okay? Because I have heard actually from some of our listeners as to how do we crack the questions so quickly sometimes. And uh, yeah. I want to point them to certain episodes where both of us just keep struggling for minutes on end. <laughs> and also, this is just me coming clear for the benefit of our listeners. There are times where we actually edit out <laughs> parts of it trying yes. to figure out the answer. Yeah. We are not close to it at all. Just for the, the sake of the, timing, and nothing. There else. have been episodes where I've been so puzzled that I'm actually silent for 30, 40 seconds, which I have to edit out of the episode because it doesn't make any sense. The fact, I mean, like, obviously, people don't want to hear me sit in silence and, you know, trying to figure out what this is. And it's always an obvious answer. It's always an obvious answer. It's very yeah, rarely it's that you ask me a question answer. about something that's really complicated. We usually tend to get those. The ones we don't get are the very simple ones. The things under the tip of our nose. Yeah, yeah. So, well, now you know how the sausage is made. Uh, yeah. However, not once have we ever known what the other person is going to ask beforehand. So, that remains yeah, to be th- That again, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I've also got this kind of uh, feedback that uh, sometimes people feel ki we uh, purposely try to extend the question timing by seemingly not appearing like we don't know the answer. Let's just say that neither of us are willing to fall on that particular sword. Oh, okay. At this point, I have to reference one of my favorite things from a, a podcast that we have spoken about, actually. Business Movers, Business Wars. I think it's by One Tree. Yeah, Business Wars. Yeah. Uh, they did something about New Coke. And I remember in that, they quoted a Coke marketing uh, person speaking of when they were accused of the fact that Coke launched New Coke. Now, this is just yeah. random trivia for our <laughs> listeners' benefit. New Coke was just a flavor that Coke was experimenting with. And they thought that this was an improvement over the original Coke recipe. Uh, in fact, a lot of taste tests which were done, blind taste tests, they ranked New Coke as higher than Coke and Pepsi, who was also edging out Coke at that point in terms of taste. So Coke launched this new Coke thing, but everybody in America who felt very strongly about Coke resented Coke for changing the iconic recipe and they fought back against this new maneuver and Coke sales went up through the roof. Pepsi, who was slowly climbing up, lost all of the market share. 
just because the loyalists of Coke decided that they want their old Coke back. Something that happened recently with Magic Masala in India as well. Um, so <laughs> at this point, I remember the Coke marketing uh, person was asked, did Coke do this purposely? Just launch a new flavor and uh, mess with people so that they will go back in hordes to the original flavor. And uh, I remember the response was something along the lines of, I think you're thinking we are either too smart or too stupid to have done that. (laughs) Which brings me back to what you just said. Vineet and I are neither that smart nor that stupid to (laughs) waste time. (laughs) We genuinely just don't know the answers very often. Yeah, true. So true. So true. So true. But uh, in the interest of uh, uh, just informing our um, listeners... Apparently, if you want to have really, really tasty Coke or the tastiest Coke version in the world, you have to go to Mexico. Because in Mexico, yeah, Mexican Coke, they still use real sugar instead of Mm. uh, that high fructose corn syrup shit that we get in practically every other uh, Coke around the world. So, yeah, Americans swear by Mexican Coke, apparently. Yes, I've heard the same thing. Or again, the other possibility is that you can visit the night side. Okay, that was a deep cut. I don't think anybody particularly knows uh, about that. Uh, The night side is a series of novels uh, starring uh, a PI called John Taylor, who's a a PI for the supernatural. And the night side is this alternate kind of dimension that exists underneath present-day London. It's a series of books by uh, Simon R. Green. Uh, who's the author of many inventive phrases, my favorite of which is, I wouldn't piss down his throat if his heart was on fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So that's, that I, I'm going to make that my unofficial thing. recommendation. Go read The Night Side. It is the trashiest of trash kind of book. <laughs> uh, but great fun. Like, great fun. It doesn't pretend to be great literature. It's just a lot of fun. Uses a lot of uh, tropes, but it's just... It's just plain fun. And one of the things mm. in the night side is you can get the original Coke from the 1950s, which is apparently thicker and more tasty than uh, modern day Coke. So the night side, okay. Simon R. Green, John Taylor. Go check it out. Let's move on from Aditya's question from the 1990s to the 1950s. So in the 1950s, a popular company ran a rather controversial short story. This story depicted a dystopian future where homosexuality was the norm, heterosexuality was outlawed and angry anti-straight mobs marched through the street chanting, make our city clean again. As expected, there was massive negative feedback from the readers, but the founder of the company held his ground and said that if it was wrong to persecute heterosexuals in a homosexual society, then the reverse was wrong too. Tell me the name of the company which had the guts to do this in the 1950s. Wow, the 1950s. That's a bold statement to make back then. Uh, This is a publishing company? Yes, they publish a short story. Okay. Is it a comic book company? Is it... Either no, DC not a comic. No, it's not a comic book company. Did you say it was American by any chance? It is uh, American. So this, uh, the I'll give you a few more details about the story itself. Uh, it was published in August 1955. 
इट वॉज रिटन बाय साई फाई राइटर एंड ट्वाईलाइट जोन स्क्राइब चार्ल्स बोमॉन्ट एंड द नेम ऑफ दॉर्ट स्टोरी वॉज वेरी क्लेवरली द क्रुकेट मैन नॉट द स्ट्रेट मैन द क्रुकेट मैन the crooked man because this is obviously the kind of twilight zone universe where everything is ulta hey interesting what is really fascinating is that they had the guts to do this while uh, joseph mccarthy was at his peak right the red scare yeah mccarthyism okay uh, american publishing house you said it isn't a comic book company it's not where is penguin from <laughs> I was just looking at my book. Penguin is English, if, if I'm not mistaken. Penguin is okay, English. Thought, thought so. Okay, let me see if my bookshelf has any other clues there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, I do not see any. The only one that's recognizable is Penguin. Scholastic again, just a random publishing company that comes to mind, but no. I doubt it's. No. Okay, yeah, I'll give you a clue in... which will, because I I really want to give this clue. Because it's just so fascinating okay. to me that this clue is based. So I want to give this clue, but I know that you'll get it the moment you hear it. This publication is one where uh, about which people always say, "I read it for the articles." <laughs> is it the Playboy magazine? Yes, this is the Playboy magazine. That's lovely. I that's a great little uh, yeah <laughs> piece of trivia, <laughs> and I'm so glad. that i said that it's not there on my bookshelf so mom dad if you're listening <laughs> i do not have any playboys okay <laughs> yeah so playboy was uh, renowned for having a lot of big names writing articles for them in the 50s and the 60s obviously you may have heard of some of them but uh, this particular one was in 1955 if i'm not mistaken and it was a, a short story which had already been rejected by esquire Oh, and when okay. it reached to Playboy editor uh, Hugh Hefner's desk, he said, "Go ahead, let's do this." Very uh, cool. This is a little problematic and a little ironic that he was the one to champion it when he is currently being accused by a lot of people in the Me Too movement. Uh, because even though he portrayed his company as a defender of women's rights, he's been accused of sexism mm. and uh, worse at the Playboy Mansion. Right. Yeah, no, fair enough. There has been pro- problematic legacy of Hefner's for sure, but well, credit where credit is due, he was willing to champion the rights of the LGBTQ community back in the fifties, which was probably not very easy. So, yeah, might have been a problematic man, but did something good at least. Uh, interestingly enough, you we mentioned McCarthyism and the Red Scare, mm-hmm. right? That's where uh, mm-hmm. McCarthy's. Uh, I think it was the House Committee on Un-American Activities were uh, hunting down communists among all different creative populations in America. Do you know what that was called the Red Scare? Do you know what the same thing that was going on towards gay, lesbian, bisexual people during that time? There was another term for that, for just that part of it. Like you had the Red Scare oh, no. for the communists. The Rainbow Scare? No, it was called the Lavender Scare. Ah, okay, that makes sense too. Hmm. Very interesting. So, um, uh, right. if our audience is interested, please go read up on Playboy's early days. A lot of big, big names in literature wrote a lot for Playboy, which is probably why people use the excuse that I read it for the articles. <laughs> that is a very cool piece of trivia. I loved it. The Crooked Man. Hmm. 
the crooked man very clever name so aditi i think that's all the time we have for our uh, regular question series what's your question for next week okay so i asked you about uh, october sky and rocket boys and how that was an anagram so which other famous 90s movie was an anagram that was rejected because the original title was considered uh, not something that would work by the marketing people so they had to use the anagram and that's an answer you will find out in next week's episode me thinks aditya has dug himself a deep hole but we shall find out how he <laughs> digs himself out for next week i'd asked a question at the uh, top of today's episode our audience question uh, the question was this x got its name from overlooking something that regulated the flow of water from the potomac river into the tidal basin at flood tide what is x aditya do you have any guesses as to what this could be i am completely lost actually right now okay i'm going to rephrase the question with just with changing just one word let's see if you can get it then x got its name from overlooking the gate that regulated the flow of water from the potomac river into the tidal basin at flood tide is this a place no not a technically it's an address it's a name of a building i'm going to repeat the question x got its name from overlooking the gate that regulated the flow of water from the potomac river into the tidal basin at flood tide wow i feel like the answer is hidden somewhere in the question but i am completely blank right now the gate i don't know gate just makes you think golden gate but that's not going to be the london bridge <laughs> i don't know i can't think of anything no i'm completely lost okay so that's the watergate building the watergate hotel ah oh, oh what Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. We call everything the gate now, right? Any kind of right. scandal we put gate at the end. And I was like because okay, obviously that's because of Watergate, but then where did the name Watergate come from? Turns out it was because <laughs> the building faced a gate that controlled the flow of water. So hence the Watergate <laughs> building. That is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> What a great question. I love it. And as always an obvious answer. <laughs> Yeah, obvious answer. So, Aditya, what's your uh, pop culture recommendation for the week? Um, since we spoke about uh, dementia and that lovely question you asked me about the two football teams who brought awareness to it, I would recommend a movie, The Father. This was a 2020 film and uh, I remember coming out of the film and thinking immediately that Anthony Hopkins is going to win an Oscar for this. which he did eventually i think that made him the oldest ever recipient of a best actor oscar till date and completely well deserved i have raved about that film to anybody and everybody who listen so yeah if you're looking for a hard hitting but something that leaves a lasting impact a film about dementia about a man aging and struggling with the mental health condition definitely check out the 2020 film the father and uh, you've given me a very nice segue for my pop culture recommendation uh, if the father is a hard is a figuratively hard hitting uh, movie uh, i'm going to go to probably the most hard hitting character on television in media right now if you've not seen it please go watch reacher which is uh, based on lee child series of i think it's around 28 novels now season 2 is out on amazon prime all eight episodes are available for you to binge fantastic show which has completely captured the uh, the spirit of the novels alan richson 
all six foot five, I think. The man is huge. Like, literally, he huge. But he embodies that character so much better than what Tom Cruise did in those two movies. Because in the books, Reacher is, what, six foot seven? And Tom Cruise is five foot five on a good day. So, that was miscasting. But uh, definitely, the TV series is amazing. Season one, I thought, was great. Season two is even better if that's possible. So, okay. that's my recommendation for a hard-hitting show. One that literally hits hard. I was just going to say that the miscast was very evident because, yes, Tom Cruise is a, obviously a much shorter man. And uh, this is just a random piece of trivia, I guess, at the end of the episode, that, uh, do you know, another very significant miscasting in a very famous film for the title character, the person actually used to be around five feet five or six inches tall and the actor who portrayed him was six feet two inches i would say this would be wolverine uh portrayed by hugh jackman wolverine in the the Uh, novels comics is very short he's supposed he's only five feet five which is why daniel radcliffe is being proposed as uh, the person to replace hugh jackman uh no but in this case i meant somebody who's a real character oh a real person okay a real person being played by somebody who's much taller Wow. 1962 film. 1962 film. Patton? No. We have spoken about this actor a few times, I believe, on this podcast. At least, definitely one question that you asked me. Uh, John Wayne? No. This is a British actor. Sean Connery? He is famously very tall. Uh, The name of the movie is actually the name of the real-life person that he's portraying who was actually in in real life very short, but the actor himself is quite tall. Passed away in 2013. Holds the record for the most Oscar nominations for acting without a win. Oscar nominations, Peter O'Toole. Yeah, it is Peter O'Toole. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, yes. Okay, yes, Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. He was famously short. T.E. Lawrence, uh, who Lawrence of Arabia is uh, based on, was a very short man, or rather short man, 5 feet 5 inches tall. And uh, Peter O'Toole famously Famously very tall. Very tall. Yeah. In that way, the very opposite of a Jack Reacher situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Alan Richson being able to embody that character is all the more impressive for me because... I have seen all three seasons of Blue Mountain State. If you have even remotely seen what he does in that, and then you watch Reacher, you can see how much range this fellow has. In Blue Mountain State, he plays this jock, a football player, who is Mm. so funny. I mean, like there are innumerable clips on YouTube. I don't think it's currently available on streaming in India. But there are clips available on YouTube. If you watch Alan Richardson in Blue Mountain State and then you watch him in Reacher, you understand how much range he has. And then you'll also understand why a lot of fans are clamoring to cast him as Batman in James Gunn's okay. new uh, Batman universe. The one that's separate from the Arpats Batman. Right. Cool. Well, I will check it out. Definitely you should. It's a, it's a hoot. Uh, Blue Mountain State is a hoot. That's all for this episode. Thank you all for listening in. We hope you enjoyed the show, learned something new. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. It'll take you literally two seconds. So please go do that now and come back. Yeah. 
it helps us reach a wider audience that's why we were asking you to do it it allows more people to discover and enjoy the show we'd also love to hear from you feedback suggestions trivia you can send us questions that you want asked on the show you can send it to areyouquizzingme@gmail.com just put the name of the quizmaster who you want to ask the question in the subject line you can also reach us on instagram at areyouquizzingme we appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future thanks for tuning in and have a great day see you guys next week